Welcome to Shit We Do For Love, the podcast where we delve deep into the gap between our human need for love and connection and our secret belief that we're not really good enough to be loved. This gap has us forever trapped in people-pleasing, procrastination and perfection and all sorts of nonsense as we try to measure up and be the person we've been told is worthy of love, all the while missing the truth about how amazing we already are. I'm your host, the Love Your Bloody Self coach, Wendy Windle. Fancy having boundaries that get back time for you? Then head to wendywindle.com to pick up your free guide, because never having time for ourselves is just some more shit we do for love. My love, have you ever felt like there's something that you wanted to go after in life, but when you vision yourself doing it, you're a slimmer version of you? and you feel like you need to be that slimmer version of you before you're allowed to do it? Or have you maybe ever had a big event coming up and felt like you have to slim down for it, whether it's a job interview, somebody else's wedding, your own wedding? It seems that the message is, if you're fat, that's not a lovable body. That's not a body that anybody should aspire or want to have. Our beliefs about fat and fat people really are just that. They've been programmed into us by society. So what do we do when we live in a world where it's not okay to be or even have fat, but for some of us, it's the body type that we have? Well, I sat down with my fat friend, Andrea Westbrook, to find out. Andrea is a size inclusion specialist and coach whose mission is to bring body size into the diversity and inclusion conversation. Andrea works with individuals and guides them to stop letting their beliefs about their size hold them back, like in that earlier example, so that they can connect with themselves and embody the life they truly want to live right now. Andrea also works with organizations to create awareness about the impacts of weight stigma and anti-fat bias for their employees so that they can improve employing engagement, wellness, and retention, as well as create a truly inclusive company culture where everybody can reach their full potential regardless of their size. Let's get into this. Let's get into shit we do for love. Hate our bodies. Andrea Westbrook, welcome to Shit We Do For Love. This is the podcast where we unpack all the shit that we do or have been trained to do, conditioned to do, programmed to do in the big freaking lie that it will bring us love. So we keep doing it for Mm -hmm. love and it never brings love. And the thing, because in case listeners don't know, you are a size inclusion specialist. I thought it would be really interesting to unpack with you the shit that we do for love, hating our own bodies. Right? We hate our yes. own bodies. We're so mean to yeah. our own bodies because we've been told that if our bodies are a certain size, a certain shape, a certain way, fit in a certain fashion, mm-hmm. that we will be lovable. And I believe that for most of my life. And mm-hmm listening loves i i fought hard and got myself down to the size zero which was the promised Mm -hmm. lovable weight you know (laughs) i have had not quite a six pack but i've had a four pack in my life which was very 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 hard one because i love hate but i 
Not only was I not given the promised love, but I did not love my own body any more than I do now mm. a slightly flabby 47-year-old carrying a bit of belly weight. I'm perfectly happy in my own skin. So, Andrea, where does this come from? Why do we think that hating on our own bodies will bring us love? Well, hello, and thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, Well, that's a really big question. And I honestly think it really comes down to patriarchal conditioning. And it is a way uh, we've been conditioned to keep ourselves small, not just in term or for women and people who identify as women, to keep ourselves small physically, but also keep our personality small, our intelligence small. And look, this is starting to be undone a bit now. But overall, women have been, we've been conditioned to keep ourselves in a box and not be too much of anything Otherwise, we're undeserving of male love. That's it. So I really myself. think it comes from that, that patriarchal conditioning and a way, it's a way of controlling women and keeping us in our boxes, so to speak. Absolutely. And the cost yeah. of that is massive, right? Talk to me a bit about oh, the, the cost because you yeah. must see this all the time with your clients. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The cost of this is huge because we've really... So there is that, so there is to your um, your experience, Wendy, about there is the cost of trying to be smaller and trying to fit this ideal size of a size zero or in Australia like a six to an eight or a ten. So there is the, the cost of you as an individual always focusing on um, trying to be smaller, eating less food, exercising, whatever, Um, we've been told works, there is that cost. But then there's also the opportunity cost of women not putting themselves forward for different opportunities, not pursuing their dreams, not putting their hands up for promotions at work, which means, you know, there are financial impacts to that as well. And there's the cost to our self-esteem, our self-belief, and then also the cost of what, what um, model are we setting for the the women behind us mm. when we are keeping ourselves small? Yeah, and I love that when yeah. you say keeping ourselves mm. small, it rings true on two different levels, right? There's the literal, yeah. Yeah. I must starve yeah. myself, I must be yeah. hungry, I must be a, a, whatever my size is, I should be a size smaller or two or three or four, five, whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. there's always that belief. Yeah. And then there's the, but alongside of that, that's that insidious message, isn't there, of you should be tiny in personality as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't speak out. Don't say stick up for what's right. Yeah. Keep yourself within these confines or these parameters and you'll be accepted. You'll be fine. I think part of it too mm. must be that if you're not naturally a size zero, because I know some women are just naturally. Yeah, some women are, yeah. Have that body shape and fair play to them. We all are born with different, I believe we're all born with a different kind of set weight. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do too. You know, right? That we just naturally try to be a certain, and you can fight it or go with it, you know? And some women are, you know, happen to be what's considered by the male gaze, by the patriarchy 
of what's an acceptable ideal yeah. i'm doing inverted commas yeah. The yeah. ideal weight um and that's fine but a lot of women aren't you know but yeah. then the the t- amount of time and energy it takes to fight your natural set weight if you're not in again inverted commas the ideal yeah. weight honestly i didn't have time to do anything else like going to the gym absolutely yeah yeah absolutely like yeah yeah sorry I can't actually write a book this year or start a new business I'm in the gym three hours a day yeah exactly we can really become obsessed with becoming that ideal weight and I just want to call out too the women who are the ideal weight they actually experience the same shame and thoughts that we do that I speak to a lot of women in my perception, they're the ideal weight, and they tell me that they experience those feelings of not being good enough too and that they have to maintain that weight, which is just as hard as trying to lose it, that they fear. Um, and and this is its own complex of, um, well, it just really shows you how insidious this messaging of needing to be a certain weight is because the people who do fit into that category, they worry about it too. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah, for most yeah. of my life, like you know, coming yeah. to UK sizes, for most of my life I've been yeah. a size six to eight. And as I've got in the last yeah. 10 years, more like a size eight to 10. You know, yeah. so when I was a size, it's a size two in the UK, size zero in the States. I lived in the States, so I was in a size yeah. zero then. Um, I, I mean, I was, I was working really, really hard at drama school. So I was constantly working out. I was in the gym yeah. all the time. Part of it was actually for my degree, I was doing like, you know, fake fighting and all the kinds of stuff that you do at drama school to get along. So I really, I didn't have time to eat. Um, it was yeah. part of it was just a byproduct of the situation that I was in, but I was not happy about my body and yeah. no one else in my life was happy about my body. I was told by friends and family members, you're too thin. You know, yep. my life I've been told you're too thin, you need to put a bit of weight on. And then in the last like five years or so, as I've rounded out a bit, family members yeah. are starting to say, you know, mm, well, mm, can't fit into the clothes you used to. And I'm like, well, what <laughs> yeah. is so what's the exactly. magic number, friends and yeah, family? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when, so just, when yeah. are you happy it, with my body? Yeah. And when are you going to let me be happy with my body? Yeah. And really, do we need other people to be happy with our bodies? Right. <laughs> because it's our body. We're the, we're the ones that have to, we're the ones that live in it. Yeah. And what, what impact is it to you if I've got a few extra kilos than the person next to me? What impact is it to the other person's life? Yeah. None. And yeah, yeah, none. I do think yeah. it's part of that social conditioning, patriarchal absolutely conditioning, that we don't just look at a female body in particular and think and just able to have a neutral thought about it, you know, like, yeah. oh, round, flat, yeah. angular, curvy. We're not able to just assign no. a descriptive word to the body. It comes with yeah. a whole bunch of unseen biases, right? Yeah, unseen biases and a moral judgment. Mm. Mm. And you often see it, where I see it play out the most is in the media and women are stereotyped as being good or bad based on their body shape and size. Mm-hmm. See, quite often I remember um, when Julia Gillard was Prime Minister in Australia and the, the media 
really uh, shamed her for her body size and her ability and a real moral judgment was applied to her based on her, her body size. Mm. So and then you see it. So yeah, yeah. In her career like that. Yeah, yeah. The top of her career, the apex, that must Absolute, have taken so yeah. much yeah. dedication and hard work. And then to yeah, be. Yeah, and intelligence. Yeah. And her ability to communicate. Yeah, absolutely. None of that was considered. It really, be, really became down to her body size or the commentary that was made about her. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. And you see it with celebrities and movie stars. They're. Um, their value and worth is really tied up in their body size. If they gain a few kilos, it can be splashed all over magazines. If they lose a few kilos, it's held up in high esteem. So, yeah, and then so women who aren't in in the media, we look at that and think, well, where are we supposed to be? Nothing's Mm. going to be good enough. And this is where I think the real struggle, you know, begins. We see that then we're getting it from our families you're too big, you're too small, you're not You're not enough or you're too much. And then these messages are just compounded. And when we start entering our teenage years and start thinking about, well, you know, I, you know, I want to meet a partner or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever what way you're oriented, the looks and the attractiveness really become a big part of that. Mm. And I remember being told quite young, so I was, I've always um, been fat and um, a family friend said to me, well, you, you better do something about it because nobody's going to want to marry you. And I, at the time I thought, oh, I'm 15. I don't, I don't want to get married like just yet anyway. Like, wow. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. And I think people feel that it's their, their right to make those comments to your face. And it can be really soul-destroying for people and we carry them with us throughout our whole life. And I think that's it. it's that feeling that we're allowed as women to comment on other women's bodies. You know, because yeah. I had the opposite where I must have been like, not carrying enough weight for one of my aunties. Yeah. She was turned around one day and told me men like something to grab hold of. And I was yeah. even, I must have been about 14, yeah. 15 when she said it to me. And I didn't really understand. I was very late bloomer, Andrea, very yeah. late. <laughs> I didn't yeah. really understood what she said. Yeah, meant. yeah. And it wasn't yeah. until I got into adulthood that I was like, oh, what? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it really, you know, it's such an indication or example of the sexualization of, of women's bodies. So that's all we're there for, for men to grab onto. <laughs> or, or not but then but you really don't want too we're, much we're... for them to grab hold of no yeah I remember it's you know people seriously. saying more than a handful's a waste oh my like, goodness <laughs> yeah so like, well what's right like yeah and you know, what's the right size what <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah so it really yeah for me it's really troubling that we determine a woman's worth by her body shape and size, period, whether there is a right or wrong because as women we have so much more to offer and our value is in so much more than our body shape and size. How do you help women close that gap between that constant self-judgment, self-like 
obsession really not our fault you know that's we've been yeah, trained to be yeah. obsessed with our weight no matter which way we swim yeah. but how do you help women to bridge that gap between actually taking yeah. the conditional out of the action because what yeah. I hear a lot from clients and I hear a lot inside my own head or used to is I can do that when I'm this shape yeah but how do yeah. you take the conditional yeah. Yeah. out of the action oh yeah, um, well, we actually, I actually go right, right back with um, my clients, and we look at it from essentially a sociological perspective. So, where have these? Where how have how have we come to believe this about ourselves? Mm. And it comes back to I don't know if you've heard of the. There's a model called the Four Eyes of Oppression. And there's an institute and essentially the model explains how different biases have been created and how we experience, how people in marginalised groups experience them throughout our lives. So if we look, there's the institutional is, is the base pillar of the four eyes of expression, of um, oppression, <laughs> and it's not expression. Um, opposite, opposite. Yeah, yeah. But that's all of the things around. Um, it's 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 hard to explain because I haven't read it read it or spoken about it for a while. But essentially, that's all the uh, laws and structures and processes and things that say you have to be a certain weight or um, be within a certain BMI. And this also impacts. Um, people of colour, it can impact people of disability, this model can still apply. So you've got the institutional. Then we've got the, oh, I'm really, I should have um, brushed up on this. There's, um, I'm, I can't rethink of it in there, but there's the, uh, the systemic. So when we go out into the environment and there's chairs that aren't wide enough for, for large people to sit in, it's... Um, Often the buildings and facility, public facilities are designed around men. You'll always usually see a men's toilet before you see a women's toilet yes. and things like that. Yeah, or and for men that are usually six foot tall. So as you know, stairs can be quite challenging for some people if they're set too high because it's all been designed around men. Then there's the um, interpersonal. So this is the... Um, bias that we experience from other people the mm. oh you're not good enough be or that application of stereotypes of that person must be sad unhappy lazy and not intelligent because they're fat mm. so we're getting that messaging as well and then there's the intrapersonal so we can't help but absorb all of this message that we're getting and then as our our brain's trying to process it and it's telling these us these messages in our own voices, which is really powerful in developing our beliefs. And so this is where it comes from because we're receiving these messages across all layers of our experience of life. And this is really, we can't help but believe this about ourselves. So really go through that model with my clients and then we start to unpack that. Well, where did this come from? Why do I believe this? Is it necessarily true? And I find that is a far more effective tool than just working on changing our own beliefs, working out where those beliefs come from and understanding 
those layers is so powerful in helping people start to unpack mm-hmm. and become more critical, not of themselves, but of society and the messages that we've received. And then you can start to separate yourself from them. Well, hang mm-hmm. on, that that's not me. That that's a message from society. I don't I can choose whether to believe that about myself or not. Or I can simply say, I can believe it's possible not to believe that about myself as mm. a first step. That's the first chink in yeah, the armor, for, isn't it? Yeah, it is. is. Just to say it is yeah. possible that well, I could not believe this thought. Yeah. Because even just when you're Absolutely. talking about it, like those, those beliefs about what it means to be fat, and like we all we all know what it means to be fat like you know and I'm sorry yeah. listen, I'm just going to lay it out here like what my programming yeah. is it does mean you're lazy you're not very smart you must be addicted to food you must eat a whole bunch right yeah. is that yeah. the only yeah. way you got fat yeah. is by eating yeah. too much yeah. you must have a sugar addiction I bet you pound down the cokes all the time like you know, yeah 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 things. all of these stereotypes they, yeah and they feel yeah. like truth because we've yeah. told them time and time again and over and over yeah. and over again. And yet yeah. I've been blessed in my friendship circles to have, you know, multi-different, you know, diversity within my friendship circles. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I, I noticed that started to grind against this belief was mm-hmm. realizing that I eat more than most of my fat friends. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and like actually yeah. having to hold yeah. going, wait a second. First of all, I yeah. none of my fat friends are lazy. Um, yeah. And they all eat less than me. So something's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These yeah. beliefs yeah. have been programmed in, and not only are they beliefs, they're actually lies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's so many um potential causes of someone being fat and what their dietary intake is potentially just one of them yeah and there are there's a um there's a lot of research out there now that's saying genetics is is a stronger um determination of a person's body weight and size Mm -hmm. than actually the food that they consume absolutely I think a friend of mine was just telling me recently that she they've there's some studies happening saying that if you have a propensity to be heavier or to carry more fat on your body it's more likely that your ancestors lived through famine so particularly yes. like you know for example if your ancestors lived through yeah. the irish potato famine yeah. your, your yeah. the smartness in your genes and in your body will switch on your capability of laying down more yeah. weight so that you yeah. become yeah. one of the surviving people. You know? Yeah, that's so, right. That's and right. that's not something you can yeah. fix with salad. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. My love, how are you feeling about your own body listening to this episode? How many times have you had a thought in the last week or day about your body that's negative, either about the shape, weight, tone or condition of it? How do you think these thoughts are affecting your relationship with your body and how you feel about it? This is a topic that honestly I could talk about all day. So rather than talk all over Andrea, I'm going to make another episode all about body love. It's coming up next on Shit We Do For Love. Be sure to subscribe, like, join my mailing list over at wendywindle.com to make sure that you don't miss that. Now, back to Andrea, because she is about to drop a truth bomb about what the stress of trying to lose weight does to our bodies 
And there's also um, there's also research that you that says that weight stigma and experiencing anti-fat bias can actually pour, cause people to gain weight because the people who experience that it causes stress. Your body releases cortisol to counteract that stress, which we all know is um, causes you is a hormone that causes you to gain weight because it holds on to weight as a way of protection for you. So it's this cycle of that you know weight stigma can actually cause you to hold on to and even gain weight. Mm-hmm. So the thing that people are perpetrating, I guess, or I guess, um, what's the word? Um, the belief those stere- when those stereotypes are applied to us, and people people are thinking, oh, that person should just just lose some weight. That is actually potentially causing individuals to to gain more weight mm-hmm. because they're causing that stress. Yeah, I can imagine the stress mm-hmm. causes it, but also yeah. I'm a great belief in, in, in like, here we go, but in like energy waves actually affecting us in a quantum yes. cellular yeah. level. You know, I've experienced this as a teacher. I, I um, for a long time in my life, I went into different schools to teach drama to children. And I would forbid any teachers to give me a character rundown of a child, you know, and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. look out for Timmy. He's awful. He's going to, I'd be like, no, no, no. I don't want any names. I don't want any rundown. I want to meet these children exactly where they're at. Because what I discovered was if I was given the rundown, Timmy would catch my eye. And I'd already unconsciously be bracing myself for Timmy to be a bit of a dick, which would mean that Timmy, of course, would pick up on that and then act out. Yeah. You yeah, know, so when I yeah, said like, no, 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 yeah. I don't want to know. I'm just going to be all these children in innocence yeah. actually where they're at. Then I got to meet those children for who they really are, which 99% yeah. of the time was just incredibly innocent, faithful, wonderful human beings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, that, yeah. if it can affect yeah. behavior, I, I have no trouble taking the step to that. If somebody is thinking certain thoughts about you repeatedly and if you're in an environment where people are thinking about you in a certain way it's going to affect your behavior yeah and could even absolutely yeah absolutely yeah and i and you're right we were trained with me there andrea thank you (laughs) you well i believe in it too because as human beings some of us not might be aware of this but I believe we are all highly attuned to what other people are thinking and believing mm-hmm. about us, whether they're being overt about it or not. We we there we our we you're right. We we sense the energy. Oh, absolutely. You yeah, know, like, I think we've all been there where we thought that we were being really smart yeah. and covering the fact that we didn't particularly like somebody. Yeah, <laughs> no. and yet when you think about mm. it. You've, we've all had that experience of walking into a room and going, oh, I'm not welcome here. And if we yeah, can absolutely. smell that instantly, yeah. Yeah. we can smell yeah. what, we know, we yeah. know what people are thinking about us. Yeah, absolutely. And that sense of, oh, that interaction wasn't quite right. That felt a bit awkward or a bit, mm. oh, I can't put my finger on it. That To me, that's a sign that the other person wasn't being their honest, true self. Mm-hmm. They were trying to hide something. Yeah, so we're absolutely, and I think, yeah, that some people, 
I think we're all attuned to it. Some people might not be as aware that they're attuned to it, but we we definitely are. Yeah, I think sometimes yeah. we act in ways or we feel a certain way at the end of the day, even if we're not able to go, it was that interaction. It was that yeah. moment in the day. I think we certainly can get yeah. to the end of the day and just go, I just feel terrible today, you know? Yeah. And it probably yeah. was some interactions like that. So yeah, thinking about your work as a size inclusion specialist, mm-hmm. and you talk about actually taking your clients and helping them break down where those beliefs came from so that then they can mm-hmm. hold them up to the light. Like, is this true? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, of, as yeah. a coach, that's like the one of the pillars of my coaching practice, you know, hold yeah. up every belief. Where did it come from? Is it true? You know, yeah. because most yeah. of the time it's not. It was just something you were fed. But is it only the responsibility of us to include ourselves? Like, or do you work with, no, you're shaking your head like, no, it's not <laughs> yeah. just us. It's no. not just us. No. <laughs> Talk to um, me, Andrea. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm so glad you've asked me this question. <laughs> Absolutely not. It is not the sole responsibility of individuals to fix ourselves and unpack our own beliefs. We also need to do the work as a society to unpack this systemic bias and remove these systemic barriers that are creating this exclusion in society. And so I am you know, I'm looking to work, I know there's a lot of, um, there are individuals working in the medical space to um, to reduce the bias that patients experience um, in the medical field, but I'm looking, planning to work with employers because when we talk about diversity, equity and inclusion at work, we're talking about a lot of marginalised groups, but nobody's talking about people of size. So for me, that's a real opportunity in workplaces to start removing some of this bias. And not all individuals will do this work. So this is why we have to start breaking down the systemic barriers as well. Right. It needs to be, Yeah. as a society, we need to address it. Because you're right, yes. not, not every individual has the, the mental capacity. And by that, yeah. I literally just mean time. Because it takes time to unpack a belief. It takes persistence and bravery and courage. And not everybody, it's actually quite a privileged position to be in, isn't it? To have time in your day to be able to sit down and go like, I'm actually going to unpack my beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Well, and it's even having that awareness because part of my own journey was I have, I've, as I said, I've been fat all of my life. So I've experienced Uh, fat phobia and anti-fat bias but I didn't really have the language around it until a couple of years ago when it was when this concept was introduced to me and it was like a light bulb moment went off and I thought oh my god this is exactly what I've been experiencing my whole life and and so a lot of people are not even at that that stage this they've just accepted this is their lot in life Mm-hmm. So I think those of us who are in this field really have a responsibility now to help those who do have the awareness to unpack it, but also we've got to start addressing the um, and engage others to help us start addressing the systemic biases in society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and get that needle shifted. Because yeah. you're, you're right, you said at the top, like things are changing, things are moving. Yeah. 
you know, like even just the other day, um, my husband and I were talking about, we were just listening to some songs, had YouTube playing on the telly in the background mm-hmm. while we were chatting. And Megan Trainer came on with her song mm-hmm. All About the Bass. And we both looked yeah. at it in absolute shock. And we kind of turned to each other at the same time and said, she was considered fat. She's yeah. tiny. Yeah, yeah. She's tiny. Yeah. She's like yeah. a UK size yeah. 10 maybe when she yeah. did that video. She is tiny. Yeah. But I remember when that song came out off the top of my head, like some maybe seven years ago around there. And I remember thinking, oh, what a brave girl. So curvy, so big. Mm. And that things have changed so much in TV and media are starting to shift. Starting to, Even in yeah. that small amount of time, I'm now able to look back and go, why did I ever believe that 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 she was big because she's not big? Yeah, yeah. And yet she had a yeah because able to launch her career because she wasn't a size two. Yeah, yeah. Like because wow, it's like she paved the way received. for Adele, who then yeah. paved the way for Lizzo. It's like you know, like yeah, finally yeah. we're actually yeah. starting to get a bit more diversity in the yeah. sizes that we get to see in the media, but. It's a slow and frustrating change, isn't it? It is slow, yeah. And those people still get a lot of criticism and mm. and negative publicity because of their size. So, yeah, it's not an easy walk or an easy journey for mm. those people at all. But I am grateful that they are out there blazing a trail and pushing through and, and showing uh, women of all shapes and sizes that you can follow your dreams and have successful careers you know, and use your talents and be in the spotlight if that's what you want. What do you say, Andrea, yeah. to clients who come to you and are in that conditional place, you know, of I want to put my hand up for a promotion or I maybe want to launch my own business or whatever their dream is. And the thing mm-hmm. that's holding them back is that judgment of their own size. Like I can't because of my body. Like, mm-hmm. how do you break mm-hmm. through that belief? You talked a bit about the dismantling from the systemic and yeah, holding it up, yeah. but how do you get them going? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's, I mean, the question I, I most like to ask is, well, what, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. If, you, if you don't do it, you're never going to know. <laughs> mm. If you don't put your hand up or if you don't pursue that business idea, you're never going to know. And, and what what if it didn't turn out to be a success and and your body size didn't matter? Mm. I love that it's question, really, actually. Yeah. yeah. We're like, I keep coming back to we're so, all women are so much more than our bodies. Essentially, our bodies are a vessel for everything we can do for our, they're a vessel for our intelligence, for our, um, our love for how we treat and care and motivate, and nurture and guide other people. It's we are so much more than and than our body shape. It's really what's inside and what we have to offer the world. That's that's what's important. Mm. I'm feeling this sense mm. as you're talking. Underneath that is, if we could pretend for a moment that our body size didn't matter. Like if we live, if we could pretend Mm -hmm. we lived in a world where it really didn't matter, you know, then what would we let ourselves Mm -hmm. do? Then what would we feel free to create? Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's a powerful question. Yeah. And what I love about questions Mm. like that is you can slot in Mm. your own fear, right? You know, Mm -hmm. if if my age didn't matter, if if my, you know, if my gender didn't matter, you know, if whatever your excuse is, and I say that when I say excuse, I don't mean it's your fault that you've got this excuse because we've been told you're not allowed it. (laughs) You're too old. You're too fat. You're too thin. You're yeah. too weird. You're not gender normative. Like, go away. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. So it's, I mean, yeah. it's not anyone's fault to hold themselves back because of a belief like that. But it's powerful no. to pretend for a moment what would we do if that wasn't true? Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Because I suppose anyone that's mm. ever broken out of a belief system, right, got into that headspace of, I'm just going to pretend. I'm just going to pretend I live mm. in a world where it doesn't matter. And, of course, what happens is then yeah. we create that world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Andrea, how do you connect with yourself? How do you love your body? Oh, look, for me, it is an ongoing journey and I don't want to give the impression to anyone that it is an end destination because I think it's um, it's absolutely a journey. But for me, it is really around creating space in my day, usually in the morning, to just ask myself what, what do I need? Or to check in with what's going on with my body because usually it's trying to tell me that I need something, whether it's to to slow down or to to go and do a workout or something. And then and for me, that is the biggest honor that I can I can give my body. And for me, almost loving my body still feels a bit of a stretch, but honoring doesn't. And I know that Mm, that can be a bit more weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I can't quite yeah. love you every single day. I'm working on it. Yeah, but I working can listen on to you. Yeah, and I can honor what yeah. you say. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and it is just really treating for me, treating myself as a whole person, not just as my body, because my my the physical for me is always trying to tell me what I need to do spiritually for myself, spiritually or mentally. What does that feel like yeah. for you? What What's that like inside your body? Oh, for me, I'm the big sign of when I need to slow down for me is I can feel it all in my chest mm. and I get tight in my throat or I'm really stuck in my head. Mm. So I'm kind of like, okay, where are the sen- sensations going on? It might be a headache or it might be, you know, I can't let, thoughts just swinging around in my head endlessly and I'm jumping from this to that and feeling quite overwhelmed or it will be uh, in in my chest and in my throat quite constricted and tight. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really need to know, okay, I just need to take a moment and take some deep breaths and work out what what it is you need. And And sometimes I need need to eat. It might be I need to eat or... Yeah, quite often it is that because I'm quite on the go. But, yeah, it can be a whole wide range of things, but just really 
taking that time to tap in and see what your body's trying to tell you. I think that's a beautiful, mm. simple practice for us all to just get back in tune with how yeah. wonderful our bodies are really you know because yeah. to me that's the big sadness right of growing up in a female yeah. body of not be having it so objectified that it's like we haven't been allowed yes. to simply enjoy having a body yeah. never mind yeah. getting into the space of this body is there for you yeah it loves you it is trying to communicate with you. Like yes, you yeah. know? it's keeping you alive. There's like when you think of the body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you think of all the the function and process that your body is doing at any one time mm. to keep you alive and moving forward, it is just amazing. Yeah. So taking that time to really connect back into it. And I remember one of my um I remember, you know, thinking about how disconnected we've become from our bodies mm -hmm. and that's part of that patriarchal conditioning because when we're connected to ourselves and our, our power, we're really powerful when we're listening to that innate body wisdom. So, of course, it served the patriarchy to teach us to distrust that. Shut that down. That. <laughs> Shut that down. <laughs> so, which is really a shame and really sad and... I think as we're connecting more back into it, we are seeing women become more powerful and stand in their own power, which is really beautiful. To me, that's one of the biggest sadnesses, really. The side effect of all of this judgment mm. and looking at our bodies through the male gaze, through, you know, am I attractive to men with this body? You know, yes. Mm -hmm. And it's it's yes or no. And 99% yeah. of the time, no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, oh no, yeah. I'm loaded. Well, that's not attractive. You know. Oh no, yeah, I've got wobbly yeah, bits. That's yeah. not attractive. I've got wobbly bits yeah. in the wrong place. That's not attractive. Yeah. And of course, but I would challenge that. Uh, I think 99 times out of 10, it's a yes. I don't think reality, men, men right? aren't as critical of us if uh, as we think they are. Yes. Let's talk yeah. about this because there's yeah, the patriarchy, yeah. right? There's the media. There's yeah. this very narrow. Yeah. What we've been taught to believe, and yeah. then there's real people <laughs> yeah and I think the majority of real people they're they're not noticing whether we've whether we've gained a kilo or two absolutely That's and it's totally not important if they do but I think yeah in reality no yeah like I love not, that yeah. line in yeah. pray love where Liz Gilbert is talking to her friend Sophie and Sophie's put on a bit of weight and she's like oh no and she's worried about being attractive and Liz Gilbert's just like you got a guy in a room, he's just thinking, I've got a girl in my bed. Like, he's not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I remember yeah. kind of holding that up to my experience yeah. and going like, wait, is that true? Can I trust Liz Gilbert? Can I trust Liz Gilbert? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And going, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you yeah. know, I've had, I've had many boyfriends, Andrea, and I only had mm -hmm. one who held me up to a level of perfection and blessed him he had some severe body issues and was just okay to me that was one yeah. guy out yeah. of many yeah. so yeah <laughs> yeah every yeah. other time has been this positive yeah. experience of yeah we're here to have fun with these pleasure machines there hasn't yeah. been a sense of i'm being objectified or criticized or yeah yeah certain way you know yeah in fact any yeah. of that especially my teenage years came from me you know like oh no my belly <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah it's 
it's our own conditioning too. But I think at the end of the day, humans really want connection. Yeah. And yes, attractiveness can be the is the first layer to that. But when you get beyond that, that just doesn't become important. It's about how you connect and care about each other. It's all about connection, mm. isn't it? Which is why it's so yeah. sad that these beliefs about our bodies, that they need to be a certain way, can stop us yep. from connecting with ourselves. Absolutely. Yep. Stop us from connecting with the wondrous miracle of this meat puppet that we've been given to inhabit this life. Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would yeah, say absolutely. like if I had to yeah. con- if I had to be consciously aware of breathing, I'd have died a long time ago. You know, the body is a miraculous <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Imagine absolutely. if we were in charge yeah. of our own heartbeats. I'm like, I would get involved yeah. in a reality TV show and forget. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So yeah, yeah. And I think it is sad because so many people are not reaching their full potential because they're so scared of what reaction they're going to get from other people instead of saying so they so they back to this keeping themselves small yeah yeah and that's because in some cases, in well, in many cases, the reaction from other people towards people that are fat is is awful. It's terrible. Yeah. It's it can vary from exclusionary to abuse and violence. So and there's a whole, you know, the whole gambit in between. So it is scary for people in plus size bodies to put themselves out there. Yeah. And I think that's a really yeah. important thing to address. It's yeah. not like the abuse, the bias, the horrible trolling is something that has been, you know, like it's, you're not making it up, you know, it's a valid. No, exactly. Fear. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the first step in working with my clients too, is acknowledging that their experience is real and valid. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess then with that, mm the willingness to connect in and and to hold ourselves yeah. in a different way kind of yeah. gives energy to take those brave steps, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's too why well, we've got to break down the systemic biases because that will then help unpack the intraperson the interpersonal and then the intrapersonal because yeah. we can't have one without the other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's like telling black people to fix racism. Yeah. yeah. Not their problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually I've just remembered the four, the four eyes of oppression. It's ideological oh. is the base one. So it's ideological. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea I'll, I'll keep with the, the body size thing that being fat is bad, mm. like this real moral judgment. And we hear that in the Bible and there's a lot of, um, text historically that wait sorry hold up in the bible yeah Yeah, in the bible we have the seven deadly sins right so greed and gluttony and those sort of things so even back then we're starting to get this this messaging that to be fat is to be bad of course, because actually yeah. it doesn't say fat, yeah. does it? It talks about greed and gluttony. No, greed and gluttony. You can be yeah. Yeah. and be full of greed and gluttony. I know, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but even um you know i've been reading different articles about you know current day christianity where some uh churches do promote this that if you're fat you're not um you're not a true christian you're not going to be accepted into heaven and and that type of thing now i am not religious by any means but it is for me it's interesting to see well these this is where this ideology is shaped in through religion yeah and and other areas as well so you've got that real this real foundation on which our society has been built on these ideologies that are that have created this message. Then there's the institutional side, forgotten the ideological. So this is all our our systems and processes have all been set up to exclude people that are fat. And then we've got the intrapersonal, so the bias that we receive and the comments that we receive from other people. And then there's the intrapersonal, so the the hate and shame that we put on ourselves. Yeah. So I'm glad I got that. That would have bothered me if I didn't get that um that model <laughs> right. But it is a, yeah, yeah. And you can't have you can't have one of those pillars without the other. Mm. So this is why I'm passionate about helping people unpack the in, in intrapersonal. We can start to work on the on the interpersonal as part of the systemic, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to get in and work with employers to start breaking down the systemic within work environments and then also the intrapersonal as well. Mm. That's incredible. Because that will have an impact on the intrapersonal, how we see ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The change needs to come from inside and out, doesn't it? Absolutely. Which is interesting because so much of my work, particularly focusing on self-love, is all about the inside. You know, it's like, yes, you know, yeah, about the outside, just look at the inside. But the work that you do and that your clients are actually being strongly affected by something that can, they can't wish away, you no. know, they're yeah, actually yeah. being affected by bias. So to acknowledge yeah. that is such a key point and to acknowledge it yeah. and then for you to say, and I'm doing something about it too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You wicked human being. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Andrea, this is the Shit We Do For Love podcast. And you have talked a little bit about the shit we do for love. You talked a lot about the shit we do mm-hmm. for love being judging our bodies, hating our bodies, losing that connection with our bodies through no fault of our own because we've grown up in this patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about some shit you've done for love that either you still do and you're <laughs> working on it or <sighs> that you used to do. And you've gotten over it and you're no way going to do that anymore. Oh, I think for me, I used to, oh, oh, my God, absolutely. You are watching, I, used to I love, love it. Yeah, is um, I was a real people pleaser. Mm. And I was always felt like I had to bend over backwards to be nice. Mm-hmm. And to do a good job and to be accepted, I felt like I would have to work as twice as hard as everyone else to fit into that that box. Mm-hmm. And it was tiring. It was exhausting. And it was devastating because you'd be bending over backwards for this acceptance or or validation and, and, and what, it wouldn't tell come. Me specifically, what did that look like for you, oh, bending over backwards? What did that okay. mean? Well, if I sort of think, for me, 
of the thing. For me, now this is, I'm thinking, I'm not thinking love in the traditional romantic sense. Oh, no, yeah, we're talking about no, all kinds me, of love. Yeah, yeah. For me, I used to find a lot of acceptance through my work and that's mm-hmm. where I got a lot of validation in that, that sense that um, I was important, that I was loved. And so for me, that would look like working mega hours um, un- to do, be seen to be doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I would never say no to extra tasks or to people or, or demands no matter how unrealistic they might be and it really I mean that impacted my personal life it impacted my relationships um, because I was always focused on work and I would drop everything for for work and that and that validation and I remember seeing one of my colleagues came back from um, parental leave and she went straight into a promotion and I was like holy shit how did that happen? I've been here working my I'm ass working off, so being so, ni- <laughs> so nice to everyone, and mm. um, you know, I won a promotion. And so I just I asked her because we were good friends. I said, "What? What did you do?" And she said, "Andrea, I just asked for it." She said, "I knew I didn't want to come and come back into my previous role." And for me, it was like a penny dropped. I just yeah. went, "Oh my god." No, I'm doing all of this extra stuff and nobody's noticing. They're just thinking I'm doing a great job. They're not seeing that I actually want more. Mm. And so from that moment I was like, oh, my God, I can take a whole a whole load off here. I just need to work out what I want and how I'm going to ask for it. And then when I did ask for it, it, it came to me in spades, like I was given so much opportunity then. And then I could actually work less because I was putting my energy into the right spaces and into the right places then. So, and that's another, when we're taught not to ask for what we want, but then it's so frustrating when you don't get it. And it's like, well, actually, I'm not making it obvious enough for the other person. How do they really know what I want if I'm not telling them? Ah, so you used to do the last is working for validation and the hope that you would be seen. And now you just march yourself into the office and say, this is what I want. Yeah, what I want, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what what do I need to do to to get there? You know, there's more to it, but yeah. But it is as simple as that. What do I want? And ask for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a powerful Mm. practice because I think, Mm. you know, as coaches, we know this, you know, that when we first meet clients, our first layer of conversation is zoning in on that. What is it that you want? What is it that you want? And yet normally what happens is before people have even answered that question, they start telling you why they can't have it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, but no, I can't because, and you're like, you haven't even told me what you want. Well, yeah, so, yeah, you know, exactly. like love yeah. listening. If you want a little exercise yeah. for yourself today, just grab a piece of paper and write down what you want. No excuses, mm-hmm. no ifs, no yeah. buts. Just write down what you want. Yeah, because that alone is is like self inspiration, right? Just saying, just to be able to look at that written down every day and like, this is what I want. Yeah, if I yeah, live absolutely in a world where I loved my body or honoured my body exactly where mm. it is, 
would I let myself go mm. and get that? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Andrea, I love that you mm. exist in the world. I love oh, the work you. that I you're do doing. <laughs> I love the work that you're doing with your clients, but then thank also you. trying to create a different world for your clients to exist in as well, a world that meets them halfway. Yeah. Powerful stuff, and you're a powerful woman. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you thank so you. much for being here. Lots of love, darling. Oh, thank you, Wendy. It's been amazing, marvellous to be here. Wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you, honey. What a wicked human being to bring awareness to companies about the cost of anti-fat bias. I love any conversation where we get to hold our beliefs up to the light and examine them and really wonder if what we're thinking is a truth or part of a program. And the stuff we've been taught to believe about fat is just wrong. But it's so ingrained in us that the judgment that fat people feel and the judgment that we have about ourselves, if we happen to have a little bit of fat on our bodies, that's real. The way we keep ourselves small, punish our bodies for not being so-called perfect and feel like just worthless if we weigh more than we should, that's real too. The only way we're going to heal from this, my friends, is together by dismantling these beliefs, talking about them with each other so we get to hear the truth again and again. Your worth is not your weight. Hey, love, if this, if this podcast means something to you, if you're getting anything out of it, please like, subscribe, leave a five-star review, or simply send the links and share with a friend. The more you show the pod your love, the more the podcast gatekeepers will allow other women to hear it. To be clear, I don't make any money when you do these things. I get to help people, which means you get to help people too. Thank you. And if you're a company and you want to add size inclusion to your DEI training, go find Andrea on LinkedIn. I will pop a link in the show notes for you. Hey, no matter how you feel about your body, I bloody love you.